have you here with me on Let's Talk with Christy Go Throw. And like I tell people all the time, it's not about the curse word, but it's all about the things that people, especially our women today, like to keep secret and don't want to talk about. Those are the subjects that I like to bring forward and have a real open conversation about. And I actually didn't know um, anything about you, didn't even know you existed. (laughs) until I made a personal decision and I'm going to say it was like divine intervention right because Mm -hmm. I made this personal decision to transition from my full-time job teaching and to uh, actually go into full-time entrepreneurship as a publisher because I had already had the company had kind of been using it for myself and a couple of people uh, clients that I've been working for and then when I made the transition I promised a day later I'm scrolling my Instagram and just random see a picture of you and it's a picture of you in your classroom. And I'm like, oh, that's a nice picture. I was like, oh, and it's and I'm like, she's in a classroom. Let me see what she teaches. And I click on the caption and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Her story can't be like mine. Like this is crazy. So I'm like trying to find people like y'all got to read this. <laughs> I was like, babe, I'm telling my husband, you have to read this. That's <laughs> this awesome. Is, it was like, I'm telling you, like divine intervention. And from that point, I was just like, I have to talk to her. So before I keep going, I just want to introduce you. And then I'll ask a question or two and just kind of let you tell me how, where you are right now came to be. And so this is the Kiara James. She is an author, speaker, podcast host, uh, workshop creator. I mean, just so many things. But her message is to impact women with um, the message of deliverance through Jesus Christ himself, right? To encourage women to be a whole sexually, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And one of the things that I took away from just doing a little bit of research on her is that you must be mindful and guarding your mind against ungodly thoughts. And I really focus in on that. And I know that that this is why God has uh, allowed us to have this conversation, because I am so uh, honed in on things become a part of your life by the thoughts that you have or the thoughts you can't let go of uh, because of things that have happened in life. And so um, introducing you and all the great things you've done, the books that you wrote, I'm so over it <laughs> when I've had enough. Uh, the Power of the Panties, definitely want to have that conversation. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and workshops like the Panty Power Workshop, I'm telling you, like the conversation, I just feel like it's going to be really, really good. Um and there's just so many other things, but I'll let you go ahead and have the floor, Miss James, and tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you, like I said, became who you are right now, a little bit of that story. Sure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I'm really humbled by you reaching out and even being inspired by my story because I really still feel like, you know, Lord, what's next? <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> it's not always as glamorous when people um, talk about entrepreneurship and being a girl boss and all of these, you know, really catchy phrases and yes. um, ideologies. It's really not that glamorous. So yes. I always like to tell people, like, there are some great times and there are some, tr- you know, some troubling times. And it's just a really a wave that you have to be committed to riding no matter where it crashes or where yeah. it rises. Um, so 
Um, about me, as you said, I was um, a teacher. I taught for six years. Um, I was a high school teacher. I was a middle school teacher. Um, I taught all grades between seven and 12, basically. So um, the last year of my um, teaching career, I won't even say the last year of it because, you know, who, who knows? I might pick it back up later. But um, the last time I was in the classroom, I was um, teaching seventh grade. I teach ELA, um, mm -hmm. language arts. And I just was really pulled every day to just do something different. Yeah. Um, prior to me um, being in, in, in that particular building, I had already released a book. And yes. I had authors who were asking to work with me. So I wasn't publishing full time. I was just really learning. And I um, just, you know, had a handful of people who I worked with. I wasn't advertising my services. Um, I just kind of became known through word of mouth. Yeah. And I would work with people as they contacted me. So it really wasn't a big push to have a company. But um, I got so many requests. And um, as I was going to work, um, I just became so, like, anxious. And I would just be so... Like, man, this is, this, I can't do this every day. I, you know, I need something different. And I think part of it was also because I was a new mom. Yeah. And um, in my Instagram post, I alluded to the fact that when I had my daughter, I could not even nurse her full time. Like I wanted to, because I had to go back to work. Yeah. And yeah. Um, with some, I don't know what grade that you teach or if you're, you know, if you know how it works with having hourly classes or uh -huh. having, like you can, you don't have time to go away to pump milk. Right. Yeah. Some 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 students are not going to get instruction. So it was just right. like a, it just did not work for me, and I felt so terrible. I'm like, my child needs this from me. Like this is the most important thing I can give her right now because she was also premature. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm having to go to work every day to take care of other people's children, which I love. Mm -hmm. and it, yeah. That wasn't the problem at all. But I'm like, yeah. I now have a child who yeah. needs me, and I have to rely on other people to take care of her in my absence. And that was something that really rolled with me um, in teaching. I taught like two years after she was born still. And I was just like, man, I have a toddler who I'm missing these moments. And, you know, it was just really um, about the humanity part of being a teacher. Like some people do not cut teachers a break. And it's like, no, yeah. I'm missing too. Yeah. And I have a child. Yeah. And this is still overwhelming for me. And so I would just would pray. And I would even, you know, sometimes I would cry in the bathroom and I'm like, I've never experienced anything like this. And, and I love teaching. Like all my years, I've never experienced it like that. And so I yeah. would just, um, just really just pray and ask God, like, what's next? And I talked to my my staff, my principal. I'm just like, listen, I'm just feeling like this is not going to be long term. Like, I just really feel like I'm not supposed to do this for much longer. And I gave myself to the end of the, end of the school year to leave. And I ended up leaving in February. Like, I didn't even, it was even, yeah. I was even offered money to stay. Wow. And, you know, and a significant amount. And I'm just like, I really feel like I need to be obedient because if I stay here, I don't know what the consequences of that is going yeah. to be. Um, and so I launched and um, I've had some amazing experiences. I work with some great people and I'm really in enjoying the journey thus far. Yes. When I tell you our stories are so similar, so similar. Um, I two have been teaching for six years and I started off pre-k kindergarten and then I moved to fourth and fifth grade 
and uh, recently have been teaching nine through 12, um, majority of the time, nine through 11, but special education. So I was teaching mm-hmm. career readiness, a focus in study skills, and a focus in writing. And so um, when I did elementary school, I had ELA, science, social studies, math. I had all the subjects, right, in primary school. And mm-hmm. so um, I love teaching. It's just been this natural thing that I've just always been able to do. And it was something that my mom would tell me when I was younger, you know, you either should be a teacher or a nurse because you like to tell people what to do and you like to care for mm-hmm. people. And so I just kind of moved in that vein, but I never saw myself, even when going to college, I never saw myself going into a classroom. I was just like, you know, I want to open my own preschool and just write. I just want to open my own preschool and write. Like that was my own thing. Open one, you know, get a director, let them run it, open another. Um, Even thought about like, oh, I'm a franchise of preschool. Right. And so um, my husband um, got sick. And so I ended up having to go into the classroom to work. And I just kind of landed there and, and stayed there, really. And, um, you know, as the years went on, I kept thinking about what I really wanted to do, but was still just making the decision to do what I needed to do at the mm-hmm. time. You know, it was just like this. I got to help take care of my family. And so I'm just going to stay in this classroom. I'll do this. But the one thing that since I was young, maybe like, six seven eight you know very young I've always been a writer and I would take my circumstances and turn them into stories not until I became an adult uh, right before my husband and I got married I published my first book but the book was written off of um, it wasn't written as like an autobiography but my story inspired that first book and you really think of it as like something that would make me money or you know I don't know, be like this, this thing that would turn into eventually helping other people. It was just kind of like, you know, this is what I went through. This is how I know um, it can help someone else. And so I'll put it in a book. Mm-hmm. And then I did that three more times. Still oh, teaching, <laughs> still teaching the whole time. Right. But it was easy for me to do because I would just use my stories and just write them down, turn them into a book is for somebody. And that was it. And then I would just kind of carry on with life. And then not until last year, I started getting like this pull to come out of the classroom because I started getting people asking me. I started coaching people through how to write, how to use their stories to write books without actually telling them their stories. And so, you know, I just kind of felt like God was pulling me in that direction. And I kept thinking every time I go in the classroom, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'll stay in the classroom because I think this is the way I'm supposed to take care of my family. And so Mm -hmm. I just kept going through the motions and my husband um, is still battling um, kidney failure. And so he's on home dialysis. I have three young kids in the house. I have an older one. He's outside the house, but that's four kids total. Mm-hmm. And so um, COVID came and, you know, that put some some stress factors in there. And then this school year came right before the school year came in. My entire house got COVID. Oh my. And so I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm getting the kids well, and then I get sick, and I get myself well, then my husband gets sick, and I help him, and then my oldest one, and so I'm traveling to Baton Rouge, and I help him, and by the time school starts, I'm like drained. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm feeling like depleted, and I kept saying, if I'm supposed to stay, I'll stay, but Lord, I just really need to know, because it started last year, but I kept thinking, I need this. I think it was 
it was more of that this is where my stability is and a little bit of fear was in there too it was like well if I don't do it you know what are people gonna say am I gonna really be able to take care of my family like all of these thoughts would come and so it would make me just stay in place Mm-hmm. And then going back into the classroom, I, it took me maybe a week of just praying and asking God, you know, what what's next? Because I know that this job is really is is pulling from me some things that I need in order to survive for myself mentally and physically and for my family. So I was just like, God, I just need your guidance. And one day I get to work and I'm getting heart palpitations. And mm-hmm. I told my husband, I was like. I don't know why I'm having heart palpitations, but I am. And so it was new for me, you know, and then um, a couple of days went by and one day I'm sitting in my house when I'm thinking about going to work the next day and it starts up again. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know that this is healthy for me. Yeah. I'm going on 40. My husband's already battling. I got to be there for my family. And so I started thinking about it in a different sense of, I really have to physically be here for my family. Mm-hmm. I was like, God, I just need you give me the peace to let go and I'll transition. And one day showed up at work and I was like, I'm writing my resignation letter today. That peace just came over me. I felt when I tell you it was like a relief and it and it didn't have anything to do with the children I've been teaching because I love the students. Right. Mm-hmm. Love them and trying to find some type of way to connect with them outside of the classroom. But it was just like I keep showing excuse me, I keep showing up for them, but I need to physically be there for my family. Right. And I believe God had given me this gift to help others and had given me a company name in 2017. Like I opened the business 2017, just hadn't been really using it for anyone. And Mm so I'm like, God, I already had a setup. I just needed to move into it at the right time. And the minute I got into it, like my husband and I had a conversation. Okay, this is what we plan to do. We got a team in place. The first after the first team meeting we had, I get upstairs, check my phone. I have a message, someone in my inbox asking the publisher, help them publish a book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, that was confirmation of God just showing me, you step out, I got the rest. Just just Amazing. step out. Oh my God. And when I saw your story, I was like. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, it was what? like a day later. I'm like, oh my God. That's amazing too, because um I I I usually share with people how I started to write my first book. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I never will tell what school district I was working for, but I was working for <laughs> um a particular district and um they were doing a hiring fair. Yeah. And so um, I missed when I got there, I missed the principal for the school I wanted to work at uh, my alma mater. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, man, you know, I really wanted to, to you know, I'm trying to be careful not to say the school because then you'll connect right. the school district. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I um, was just like, I'll just wait to interview with whatever principal is still here. And the principal I met with happened to have been my social studies teacher when I was in middle school. Yeah. And so I'm just like, oh my God, you know, I remember you. And he was just so amazed. Like, he's like, you're a teacher now? Like, oh my God. Like, you know, it was such a great, a great interview that he was like, I want you at my school. Wow. And so I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I'll go there. Um, The thing was when I got there, they really didn't have a need for me immediately. And so I'm like, I'm just, I'm a whole teacher here. I came in like the middle of the school year or the, or the semester. Like they couldn't shift 
schedules to give me kids just because I arrived. Right. And contractually, I couldn't sub. It was a lot of things that I couldn't do. Otherwise, they would be in, in trouble. And so I made myself as useful as I could. I also got some pushback from staff who was there because they thought I was there to replace them or thought I was there to oversee them. Like it was a lot of rumors going around. Like that wasn't the case at all. Yeah. And so once I kind of like showed myself available and people kind of didn't have a use for me, I started working on my book. Mm. So I had picked it up. Like I had started it a while, like maybe a year before. And I'm just like, okay, let me kind of figure out how to do this. Yeah. And so every day I would come bright eyed, bushy tail. Hey, anybody, you know, I can come in here and pull some kids out, do some reading tests. Like people were just like, no, thanks. We got it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just like, okay, fine. So I, I set up my classroom. Like I would, you know, I'm like, I'm going to have students eventually. But I had like half the day to just work on my book, to research wow. how to publish. So, I mean, I planned a whole launch. I planned a whole launch party wow. like all my, I was at work <laughs> because wow. like I was just there and I'm like you know with the teachers always something you can be doing but I'm just like hey after I've done this like I have more time to do right. something different so and that's what I did I wrote my entire book I published it I designed it um all while I was on the clock at work so I said that's nothing but God <laughs> Because I didn't come to rebellious or trying to get out of work. Like I really came to work every day and nobody wanted to work with me. And so I I wrote and published a whole book. Yeah. Yeah. He provided the time for you to do it. Exactly. Because I had a new baby. I'm like, when when would I have the time to write a book at home? Like after hours. So I actually wrote the book at work. I got paid to write my book. That's awesome right there. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Without a publisher, right? The publisher exactly. Didn't have to pay you, guys. Like, all right, I got a way to get you paid while you get this book done. That yeah. is all God. That's all God, right? Yeah. I was, like, I was like, it's nothing. But I was like, because think about it. Like, I, I had a, a a young child. Like when I was, I released my book. My daughter, um, she wasn't even one yet. Yeah. So I'm just like, I was already overwhelmed as it was because I was a single mom at the time. So I'm like, you <laughs> know, how would I be able to write a whole book? Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me what inspired like the title of the book and, and how did you like come about the content? Like, did you, was there something that took place that kind of inspired the title and then you wrote the rest or did you like start writing in the title came next or how, how that go? So initially I um, was writing just a journal yeah. Um, I wasn't planning on publishing anything. I did have aspirations of being an author, but I just couldn't find something that I was that committed to or, or that um, con- con- conflicted about or that, you know, inspired by to actually write a full book. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I started writing when I was eight months pregnant with my daughter. Um, it was just after a failed relationship with her father. We, he decided he didn't want to be with me. It was, very traumatic because I had this vision of how I wanted to have a family, how to, how I wanted to have, you know, the whole get married, have children, white picket fence. I had a whole idea in my head of how I, want, how I wanted it to go. Yeah. And to yeah. just be like told out of the blue, like, no, this is not going to be that. And it's like, yeah. well, what do I, you know, I don't know how to even move forward now. Like, how do you, how dare you tell me that? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was really, 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 really shattering um, to my whole like life. 
And so I had to think back about, you know, just different situations I had gotten myself in. So the power of the panties was just about me, like just really not knowing my worth. Mm. Um, just how I use sex as an introduction with me. Like I didn't know how to connect with me without it. And I spent a lot of time unpacking childhood and adolescence and, you know, young adult years about how I got to this place where I was so ruled by my sexuality and I had no self-control. Um, I had to admit things that I never admitted before, like being raped, like that actually was rape. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, understanding the definition, like just because, uh, you know, you knew the person, you liked the person doesn't mean they had access to your body while you said no. Right. So, you know, just going back through those different lessons, like I never dealt with that or I never dealt with this. I never dealt with rejection. And, you know, I just had to take the time to really figure out how I was in this position and um, being in the faith, being a Christian and being ashamed of the experiences I was having because I mm -hmm. felt like nobody could relate to me when many people could. Right. A hush, hush, you know, situation. And yeah. so that's why I wanted to be really bold with the title and the book cover. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to blow this thing up. <laughs> you know, yes. I'm all the yes. I was doing and nobody knew about and I didn't feel comfortable. Like I was leading a double life yeah. for a very long time. Yes. And so, yeah, so that's kind of, it just became um, therapy for me to just write about experiences and to like figure out what the Bible says about it, to pray and figure out what God was revealing to me. And so I started that process after I had my daughter. Um, I went through a severe like depression. It, it, it was, people say it was postpartum, but I really feel like it was a spiritual situation. It's a battle, so, mm -hmm. You know, I felt really alone. I felt so very low and I felt, you know, I never had felt that way before. Yeah. And that's when I started to write. And once I finished, like, I really felt like a whole new person. So I tell people, like, I got delivered by writing my book. Like, it wasn't even yes. about the market. It wasn't about publishing it. It wasn't about any of that. It was really me and God and dealing, <laughs> dealing with me, how I communicate with God, which is primarily writing. Oh my God. I'm like just so lost for words at like the similarities of our stories. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, a lot of what you say you experienced, I experienced. And the books that I have birthed, like I said, have always come from something that has been a part of my life. And the workbook that I started creating. So I have been just writing books just over time. And um, one of them that's um, that came from a more a sexual a sexuality standpoint standpoint um, is called Treasure Swap, and it came sometime before the the workbook that I just recently did. But in Treasure Swap, it came one day I was giving my daughter a bath, and she um, started you know to kind of understand her parts, and she was maybe about five, and I'm having that conversation with her, and I kept thinking of like, what do I tell her to call it and I was like God I want to give her the right names and I want to have the right conversations because I know that I didn't value that part of my life I didn't mm -hmm. see the worth in who I was in the in the parts that God had given me and I was like God I just want her to treasure it mm -hmm. and so I'm giving her bath and I finish and I was like treasure we're gonna call it your treasure and I immediately got out the tub and everything I get a dress and I sit down on the bed, I grab my pen and paper and I just start writing. Mm -hmm. And the, it was, it's a short story, but it comes out 
as a princess who um, is given this treasure box by her father and he tells her you know how valuable it is and she goes through like you know as a princess and she's you know she's treated like a princess but then she meets a prince and you know they want to be intimate but they understand the value of this mm-hmm. thing that they must keep until they get married and when God gave it to her, I wrote it in like a couple of hours mm. and I knew it was because God wanted me to understand my worth. Even though I was already married with children, he wanted me to see the value in it. And it's called treasure swap virginity's, virginity's value. It want, He wanted me to understand the value so that I could teach it to my daughter. Mm-hmm. And so that I can teach it to my sons because I couldn't teach it if I didn't understand it. And that's how that book came about. And usually I don't have the conversations around the book until I'm talking to someone about the book. Right. And then Mm -hmm. I tell them, okay, so this is where that came from. And so recently in the uh, in the workbook that I have, it's called put that in a book (laughs) (laughs) without telling your business. And when my my husband first heard it, he was like, people are going to think you're cussing. And I'm like, I don't really care that they think that I'm cussing because the whole point is we have kept these perpetual cycles of being quiet about mm-hmm. the things that need to be exposed. Yeah. We need to talk about what people won't talk about because that's where the devil is hiding. He mm-hmm. continues to abuse our girls because we won't just show up and say, hey, this happened. This is when it happened. This is what it caused. This is why, you know, now I'm an adult living this type of lifestyle. Like we have to call it like we see it because right. when we don't, we let him continue to hide. Right. And that's, and it just keeps going and going. And I'm like, I have to break that cycle in my house. And so we have very open conversations about sexuality and I don't need to wait until you hit puberty. We need to start mm-hmm. having the conversation when you get about five to seven it yeah. just depends on, you know, their personality. But we start touching on a lot of subjects really early in our house. And it's because media, for one, they don't have a filter anymore. Right. They're not thinking about if your child's six years old and just so happen to be watching TV at seven o'clock at night, if something's going to come on that's inappropriate. They're not filtering for you. And so you have to have the conversations and you have to be open about them. Mm-hmm. Like no more. No, we're not going to just we're not whispering. It's not call a private part. We need to talk about what it is, what it's for, why God gave it to you, who's supposed to touch it, who's not supposed to touch it. Well, what is it used for? Like you have to have, and not just that conversation, but you know, even if you're being abused, like one, like I felt like um, a conversation that needs to be had was about bullying. Mm -hmm. And I was bullied a lot when I was younger for being the darkest, for being skinny. And I, I knew I was pretty because my mom would tell me all the time and, you have beautiful hair you know she would always like lift me up but I would go to school and be like bullied and taunted every day I was called all kinds of names they would take my burrets out my hair like it was a mess right and I would come home crying because I didn't like my the color of my skin and I didn't like how skinny I was by the time I got to middle school I was like doubling up my shirts I was wearing jackets around my waist I would only wear like big dicky pants um, tennis shoes I wouldn't put on anything girly I hated skirts or anything that would make me look feminine I didn't want it because I didn't like my body mm-hmm. and I stopped really taking care of my hair and so you know it started to get damaged and eventually I just you know kind of gave up on the whole feminism thing like being feminine just you know I'll do away with that and it got really bad I started to um, just kind of just do things out of order 
I would go to school and I would have attitudes. I would skip class. I was really big on graffiti. I would write all over. Like, it got so bad. My acre year, they asked my mom to keep me home (laughs) the rest of the school year. (laughs) Because I was going to the office several times a week. Um, Vandalism is what they called it. Because I was writing on everything I got my hands on. I kept a Sharpie in my pocket. Um, It was really bad. And that summer, my mom was like, I'm going to put you in modeling school. And I get to modeling school and they tell me everything that my mom had been telling me, but I heard it from different people. And I saw girls that look like me mm-hmm. and, you know, they just begin to tell me how beautiful I was and, you know, and just tell me about my body and the things they really liked about my body. And they would show me pictures, magazine covers and things like that of other girls who looked like me and, you know, and how much they adored, you know, my skin color. And I was just amazed. And that built me up for high school, right? It got me ready for high school. So I did my next four years. I'm good. And I go to the military. I joined the Navy. And I see an array of colors. And I realize, oh, my God, they were telling the truth. Like, mm-hmm. I am not the only dark girl. I'm like, skinny is okay and dark is okay, right? And so mm-hmm. it took all of that to change my mind. And I don't think that parents understand. Like, my mom really, like, if my mom hadn't been the mom she was, it would have been a totally different story, right? Yeah. But I don't think parents realize how important communication is. I don't care if you get off work at seven o'clock at night, you better take some time and talk to your child about their day. Ask the questions. Ask all the questions you don't feel comfortable asking. Those are the ones you need to ask. Those are the conversations that need to be had. And around bullying, like the I wrote a book around bullying, same thing, because I was even bullied as an adult, but I wouldn't say anything, right? Elementary school, I would tell my mom, but as an adult, it was kind of like, I mean, I'm grown. Who am I going to tell? Yeah. And, and I want to walk in love and I don't want to shame anyone. So I'm not going to say anything. And so I just let them do it for years, for years it went on. And then I got to a point, I didn't realize that. I kind of thought I'd come out of it and I was confident and loved myself, but they were pulling a different part. They were pulling on a different part. Like they weren't talking about my looks. It was more of, oh, I know how you used to be. And now you're trying to be holy. And I think that's a lie. So they were trying to pull on my past. Yeah. And that right there, I was just like, God, like it was a struggle. And so for years I dealt with them challenging the person that I was always challenging if I was who I said I was if I was doing what I said I was doing if I was spending time with God like I said I wasn't like it was just every time we met there was always something right and girl it got so bad that I had that moment of God like if I'm not here to take care of my children who will I really got to a very dark place that is when that a workbook the name of it was like birth in me I was like you know what all this time I've been writing out the things that I've been delivered from and I was like I'm delivered from this and I am gonna just help other people understand that when it's something you're trying to keep secret if you talk about it if you communicate that thing that you have been trying to keep quiet about deliverance will come you expose that devil and you got to deal with it he knows that he has to deal with you face to face because the minute you open your mouth about it it's exposed. And when you know the authority you have, it's like, all right. So what you got to say now? Where are you going to hide now? Because it's, right. <laughs> it's out in the open. It's out in the open. What you want to talk about? 
how you want to handle it. And from that point, I think he just kind of backs off like, oh, well, I mean, I got to find another angle because she exposed me. Right. And that when that workbook came out, I'm telling you, it was a freedom from so many things I had been keeping secret. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to open the floor. Who else has a story they want to talk about? Maybe you don't want to get into the details. I understand. Right. Maybe you don't want to revisit the trauma. But there is a point in your story where you were victorious, where you overcame something, where God gave you a revelation, something happened. You can share that with somebody. The minute you expose it, you take that authority. And I'm like, you just got to start using it for other people. And it's been, I mean, it's been up from there. And every person that God has brought to me um, to interview on here or to just have conversations with, or maybe they're clients of mine, that's been like the underlying thing. They have like this story of, you know, this is some things I went through and then God revealed to me why. And I started talking about it. I wrote about it. Uh, one of the ladies I have coming up to interview, she was telling me that she would just journal. Like you said, she was just journaling and journaling, but she was so afraid to write a book. She was like, oh, I'm just not gonna write a book. Lord, I just can't put it out there. I can't put it out there. But the minute she puts it out, she's like, freedom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the release. It really is. It's like you were supposed to do it. And yes. that's um, my whole premise for my books. Like they come from very personal places. Like my um, second book, I'm so over it. That yeah. one, um, it was me in my walk, trying to be a young woman, saved, navigating the dating world. And I just became fed up. Like it yeah. was, it's yeah. really like, a, you know, and I think the problem too, is that people don't want to tell God that they're upset. Ooh. And that's yes. kind of the angle I came with that book. Like I started off like, Lord, I'm upset because I already been through this. I'm already unpacking all of this trauma and I'm trying to heal from all of these, you know, devious sexual experiences. And I'm yes. trying to, you know, insert myself into this world where I do want a husband and I'm interested in dating men and I'm, you know, I'm learning more about myself but why am I having failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship? Yeah. Yeah. So this was really frustrating, um, which it was, there were still more things that I, and that's the thing about God. He'll be like, you mad at me, but here's a whole list of things that (laughs) you actually do need to deal with. And we're going to actually deal with since now you're telling me how you feel. Yes. Yeah. And so the whole purpose of the book is like, I'm so over, like I'm upset, but God is like, no, you have these toxic habits. Let's start there. This is what you do (laughs) when you like you are you get jealous of other women easily. You you know, you don't value yourself as much as you should. Like, yeah, you 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 know, you dealt with the sexual part. You know, you're not just a sexual object, but you don't like how you look. And, you know, you project that. And it's just so many lessons. Like you're a single mom and you feel like you're damaged goods now because you are a single mom. Like these all of these issues you're bringing into possible relationship and dating relationships like you, you know, it's like. This is why it's not because of me. I'm not sabotaging you at all. <laughs> like, right, 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 right. These Don't are think issues. That I'm stopping it. <laughs> right. Like these are issues that, you know, you're, you know, it's like an amplifier. Like you people yeah. see these things. Yeah. And you don't. So it's a lot of different life lessons. I learned about like, you know, I talk about the breakup cycle, mm-hmm. about how women can't move on because they're in some cycle of breakup still. And it's like the grief cycle. Like you have the denial, you have the acceptance, you have the um, anger, like all of people have to go through those cycles. Yeah. 
And if you're not willing to acknowledge where you are in that, like you'll you'll stay in that same cycle and now you're trying to meet somebody else. Yeah. And you know, it's it's a lot of different life lessons about relationships and about dating. Like I just was fed up because I didn't understand. And I'm like, I'm still gotta still peeling back layers of me. (laughs) Like in this and I mean it just became such a you know a hit with women is that like, man, you're saying the stuff that I, I didn't say. Like, I didn't, you know, know you could say. Like, even what talk do, about, what uh, do you think, wait, before you go, what do you think is like the most important part of that breakup cycle that keeps them from being able to let go of one and move to the other? Is it like when they come to the end of it or what, what is there like a, a key part of that cycle that kind of keeps them I think if if you don't um, get to the acceptance part, Mm -hmm. Um, because I I kind of like mirror mirror it after the grief cycle, and I feel like people don't go through the cycle in order. Um, Like you have the like again the anger, the sadness, the denial, the you know the begging part, the you know your pleading. Yeah. And then you have acceptance. I feel like people bounce around those and they don't ever get to acceptance. And mm-hmm. one of the examples I give is like with me, one of the things that I would do, I would never get into acceptance because I always thought I could be friends with my exes. Mm. And so it was like, you're not at acceptance yet to be able to move on and have a healthy relationship with somebody else because this is your BFF now. Or wow. you're still going to, you know, y'all still cool. Y'all still, wow. y'all still, you know, <laughs> In, in our society, that's so acceptable. My male bestie, and, but you used to date him. Oh my goodness! <laughs> like, so how does somebody else have a chance with you when you're still attached? All of these experience, yeah. all of this past, all of this history is now attached to your bestie. Like, no, sis. Wow. <laughs> like, no, wow. that's not. That right there is a good point because I know of some conversations that I've heard and situations that. Um, I've been made aware of that's very much like that. Like you are still friends with the ex, but you're trying to move on. How does that yeah, work? Yeah, like it does not work. Oh, we're just friends. Okay, but how do you just be friends if y'all are in a relationship and yeah. you're still trying to move on? Oh my God, I can really see that. That's denial. Yeah. And so I had people in my life like that. Like, I mean, people who I had known since I was a teenager. <laughs> like, yeah. I caught us, us being friends. But it's like, no, you still are attached and you don't, you're not completely free to give yourself to someone else. And even another thing in the book too, is dating people who are damaged and also dating while you're damaged. Oh, that's touchy, touchy right there. Yeah. I have two examples. (laughs) Yeah. I was the damaged person and I also was dating somebody who was damaged and, um, Man, it's just so many things in the book, but um, I I partnered with a life coach because I needed somebody else to help me navigate these diff- different things too and help bring up things that I wouldn't have on my own, which this was a Christian life coach too. So I'm just like, this is all, this is all God. Like he's yeah. all like, you know what? Yeah. We're going to go ahead and give you some help. Yeah. And um, it just, it's an amazing book. And I really was able, like at the end of it, I was like, whew. Lord, that was a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. let, me, let me not complain anymore to you about what I'm, what I think you're not doing right. Because he read me, read oh, me yes. and it he became a book. It all out, 
You're like, but I thought, but I thought, but I thought you're like, yeah, but you thought, but it was you. Like, I'm, like, it's you. I'm like, it's you, Lord. I'm trying to live right. Good. Kind of, kind of, kind of break. You know? I'm doing everything you said, do Lord. Right. He's and like, then, yeah, but there's some things that you haven't even touched on. Some exactly. things you don't even know to do. Oh my right. God. So and now good. that I'm married, it's like, oh, sis, <laughs> it's a whole other level to it now. <laughs> Yes, when you get married, it's, a, it's definitely a new level. But you know what? I feel like when you have that revelation of who you are and all that God wants you to be and let go of, when you move into marriage, you do take a, a separate uh, bag of things with you, but they don't really hinder the marriage if you've taken care of like those those major things that you know will definitely cause some some issues in a marriage. If you really taken those things to God and y'all hash those things out with you having a life coach, like I feel like, you know, even some people really need that in their life um, to just kind of have that guidance and to sh- and to pull out the things they can't see and to show them, you know, which move which moves may be better moves for them to make before you go into marriage. Not that you won't have challenges, but it makes the challenges easier because you're not going off past things that you would do. You're not going off past events and past traumas. And, you know, it's all like fresh. Okay. So how do I approach this? How do I handle this freshly in a marriage? You know, God, this is a new thing. You're not going off anything in the past. So I really feel like that's definitely a, a, a big step to take. Uh, and a new one that you can't take all your old stuff with you. So I definitely yeah. agree with you on that one. Because people so, are like, when are you writing a marriage book? I'm like, I'm not, not yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'm not writing a marriage book yet. <laughs> Give me some time. Give me right. some time. Wait, so how long do you think? And I heard now, I've, I've been kind of digging. I do did a little research. And I heard that you have like some, um, what she called it, some comedy in heaven type of stuff like that's the kind of <laughs> that's how funny you are so oh, God. I, I want to know like how long do you think you should be married before a book comes out or like how seasoned do you think a couple should be before they start giving advice or you know you know what I don't know a, a specific number because I feel like I can tell a lot of people some things even only being married two and a half years um I feel like you, I don't want to come off as the expert. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I were to do anything with marriage advice, it would be, I grow with me, learn with me. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, I'm, yeah. And that's kind of how I approach even, even follow me as I life. follow Christ. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm not the, the guru for any of it because at any point I could fall and yeah. I don't want you to base your walk on me because I'm letting you know up front. I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the journey. Yeah. And my journey has not ended. So please don't look to me as the, you know, the example, because I'm trying to point you to Christ. Yeah. And so like, I, I, I don't like to come off as a guru of anything um, spiritually related, because I feel like even we all have some more things to learn. Yes, indeed. But I really feel like <laughs> I've had a lot of lessons, even in this short amount of time that I would want to, you know, teach women who are probably engaged or dating, like, you know, what, what things to look for as you prepare for that, you know, that next step of marriage, like even the first things you learn your first year or some things that come up, like, I just really feel like I could do that, but I wouldn't dare tell people like, this is the key to a happy marriage in the long like I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Yeah. What's, but what's one thing that you would give to those single women who 
are thinking about marriage, maybe they aren't engaged, maybe they're really close, maybe that's what their expectations are, that you would give them because you know that it'll it'll save them maybe some heartache, it'll save them some time, maybe it'll save them a couple of arguments. Woo, okay, well, let me try to find one. Um it's <laughs> <laughs> like I'd answer many. This yeah. Many. <laughs> um I would say I know it's probably really like these people have heard it, but I would say take your time. Yeah. Um marriage, if you're not ready to really work. And really, like, people think the marriage is, oh, it's going to be because we love each other so much. And we, mm. you know, it's the next next logical step. We're in love. And, you know, I just feel this way. Like, no, take your time. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. it's like, you really want to be sure when you're, you know, making that next step. Because yeah. I don't yeah. believe in divorce. I believe you made a covenant with somebody. You made a covenant. Like, I yeah. mean. And that's something that's really serious. And so, like, I've I've threatened to leave. He's threatened to leave. Like, I'm just being, you know, transparent. Like, that's yeah, yeah. And it's like you really have to think about: am, Is this a person I want to be with for the rest of my life? Like, if I don't feel this way, yeah. I, you know, can I still love them? Like, how do I do that? Because love yeah. is not a feeling. Yeah, that's where people get it mixed up. But it's not Ooh, always that's good how you right feel. <laughs> that's so good, right there. That's and all of what you said, that's it right there. Love is yeah. not a feeling. Do it's not, not get married feeling. off of feelings. Right. Because girl, those feelings come and go. They, and they don't come back for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it's like not today. End it all because you don't feel that way. <laughs> right. Right, 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 right. I like to tell people, look, if you plan to get married, you better know that it's what God told you to do. Mm -hmm. That's that's like my want just do it because God told you to do it because it's like you do when you do things because you, you want to obey God then when challenges come up when things come up in a marriage then you're not always checking to see well Lord is this the person that you want me to be with but you're checking to see what God's next move is on that situation it's like God give me wisdom about this situation you know you can't you go into prayer about how to overcome it or how to get through it or how to communicate it or whatever, you know, it may be, but you really do take it to God in prayer because people say it, but you don't really take it to God in prayer and wait on him to give you an answer or to give you wisdom on the situation, unless you know that ultimately you've done a thing because he told you to do it in the first place. Because if you just get married because you feel good or you get married because, you know, oh, we in love. And not because you know it's who God purposed for you. You know, he has a purpose for both of y'all to come together and do some things. Like you don't understand the assignment that y'all have. Then, you know, that's when the questions come up. So I, I just like to tell people, look, just know it's what God told you to do. Don't get caught up in being in love. And if you've had sex before marriage, oh, please don't. Do not allow any of what you feel yes it calls for you because <laughs> you have taken it to another level right you have totally now you're moving outside of the spirit and so your senses will talk to you your mind will make you think be fully convinced that this is who god has for me you know yes, this is that's true. and that's all in your mind and your body and your yeah. spirit is like this is not what god called us to like you are not listening to me right no. don't go over there okay no don't go no we're not supposed to be married to, no we don't we shouldn't 
but your everything else, you know, your mind will be fully convinced and everything else will tell you, but this is who God got for me. And it's not, you know, and so then you end up in that battle of, is this where I'm supposed to be? And you leave. And some people really do leave because again, they're in it. They got in it because of what they were feeling. They got in it because maybe they thought the person was the perfect person. And then you get in and you start seeing some flaws and you realize they're not everything you thought they were, but because you got in just on feeling, you don't feel the same way. That's and right. So you think, right. You think that now you think that's a way out. It's not a way out. Right. It's like, God still called you to like, you, you chose this. Yep. And, you know, you came into agreement with him yeah. You said, Lord, this is who I'm, I'm choosing this covenant with. So now I feel like even with that, because a lot of people choose the wrong person. Like I, you know, yeah. a lot of people ain't in deep prayer. A lot of people ain't right. you know, <laughs> their mate and that, you know, people just choose. But yeah. I feel like at that point, once you honor God with whatever choice you made, mm-hmm. I feel like he honors you in return. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I mean, you can't, you can't change people. That's another lesson. You cannot oh, change anybody. You can only change yourself and yep. pray that God gives them the conviction to change how he wants them to change. Cause even yes. then what we think we want, want that person to change to might not be what God is saying they need to do anyway. It's like, Ooh. no, you need to change. <laughs> Ooh, that's it. Don't be trying to force your will on anybody else. Yeah, yeah, like that's just, that's, I'm like, Lord, he needs to be more than he's like, uh, you need to be. <laughs> <laughs> you let me take care of him. You do what I tell you to do. Yeah. But you know what? I um, Before I even met my husband, my mom had a book, The Power of a Praying Wife by Stor- Stormy O'Mara. I, I have that. Oh my God. I read that book like three times <laughs> before I was like, before I was even really, really like dating again. And I was just like, okay, Lord, like, I'm just, I know about this whole praying thing as a wife now. And when I tell you it works, like it, I would, so something would go down and I just wouldn't say anything. And I'd go pray and I'd be like, Lord, this is your child, not mine. So you're going to need to give me the patience Yeah. while you go ahead and fix whatever needs to be fixed and take care of me. Like if it's me, okay, show me that it's me. Let me take care of me. But at the same time, please give me the patience while you deal with him. Because I'm mm-hmm. just thinking, in my thinking, and, and I think two people think you have to have like this old holier than thou type of prayer, but you really just need to be who you are when you're talking to God. Like, okay, yeah. Lord, look, like, okay. I'm so, going to kill him if you don't help. Like, okay. <laughs> like, my patience is wearing thin. What we about to do? Because <laughs> I'm going to need you to show up for me and for him. <laughs> Lord, come on, like, give me Tell me what to do. You know, give me my my peace right now. Give me my patience while we work this thing out. But I'm gonna need you to handle your child. And I and he hears you and he knows the situation. And when I tell you when I've tried it, girl, I could go to God in prayer about something, don't say a word. Two days later, he come back and he's having the same conversation, you know, that I have with God. And I'm like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Like God is so good, and I don't even like take the opportunity to be like, "Ooh, like I prayed about that." And Lord, answer yeah. my prayer. See how I not done? Don't even do all that. Just be like, "Okay, God, I see you." I see yeah, you. <laughs> I, I know the you. thing with me too. Like I really, um, I I know God speaks to me, and sometimes yeah. I will speak to my husband what I feel God is saying, mm-hmm. and if he mm-hmm. he doesn't listen, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, like he's. Like, Listen, I'm like, like, why don't you listen to me? And this happened like so many times where he's like, you know, when you told me to blah, 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 like I should have, I should have listened. And 
right? Well, it backfired because I'm like, listen, I'm like, you need to understand like why I'm in your life. Yes. Like, like I can hear, I have the Holy Spirit. Yes. Like, I can hear God. And a lot of times I'm like, you know what? Don't do that. Like even with his, his um, business, I he was telling me about one transaction he wanted to do. I said, no, don't do it. Like I feel such a strong conviction to tell you, do not do that. And I'm like, I yeah. need you to listen to me this time. Do not yeah. do it. And then yeah. he found out like the next day that the guy was like making money illegally or something. And he, uh, like, and he was just like, oh my God, I'm so glad I listened to you this time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's like, it's like a person who has to build their faith in God. Husbands have to build their faith in their wives because I mean, you know, like we know what God is capable of and, and we see him moving, but we have to go through some things yeah. to build a personal faith in him. You know, like we know other people's stories and it's like, oh, that's good. Yeah. And you believe him to a certain extent. But like there's one quote that really resonated with me when I got it is from uh, Pastor Kenneth Hagin. He said, you can only trust God to the extent that you. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. You're muted. I can't hear you anymore. Protect it. Same thing. You know, your faith isn't as strong in that area until you really know them. And so in a marriage, it's like, I got, I have to get to this point where my husband knows he can trust me when it comes to me using my words to speak over him or to speak something into him or to advise him. Because I think that they know that they're the head of the house. And so they feel like they should be the ones to know how to guide and to know how to protect and to provide and to give the word and, you know, to know when to move left or right. And so when we speak, it's like, well, I heard her, but I should already know what to do. <laughs> exactly. So, so they don't immediately listen. But when they like in that situation, now he knows Right. And so he has faith in the next time that you say something because now he knows, oh, I listened that time. And so but I know now. Back and forth. We're still working on that. Oh, 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 I know. Oh, I know. It's going, but like it's it's almost like in a it just depends on the situation, right? Yeah. <laughs> they have to build that faith. And but and I think with men though, it's still that challenge of them knowing they're the head of the house and then trying to understand how do I let my wife help me be mm -hmm. head? Like, how do I allow her? to advise me in a mm -hmm. way where she's not telling me what to do but she's advising me on what to do and that's okay that's okay because maybe they're too busy and god gave it to us because we're in the details and they're not really in the details and so right. it's, it's just something that is definitely um a faith building project that i think it lasts the entire marriage i'm sure it, i thought it was like an early on thing and then eventually you'll just trust what i say but it's not and not that we're always right because we're not yeah. always right, but I mean, uh, the majority of the time we are. I mean, I mean, that's my experience. <laughs> <laughs> the majority of the time. I'm, I'm like, geez, he was just listening. This right. would be so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the hardest thing is to just let them do and then watch it flop. I think for me, that's so hard. That you are so right. hard because sometimes it's the whole family that has to be affected by yeah. that decision you know and so again you got to know us you got to know you and God in agreement on this whole marriage thing 
because the minute you let him do and he doesn't do it how you want him to do it and it affects everybody some some people for some people that's like oh i gotta go yeah oh i gotta go this is this just messed up the whole house you know you just turned everything upside down like it's affecting me and my kids Mm -hmm. and it's like okay so let's let's find a way out when really it's an opportunity to say okay so it happened and it happened to all of us but what have we learned from it yeah you know what did you what experience did you have with god on that thing and then now how do we work through it it just makes it just makes it all the more stronger i I feel like that's a a conversation that you know married couples need to have just understanding that sometimes it's gonna affect everybody Mm -hmm. but that's not your cue to run it's not your cue to run just because they don't listen and they're not your children your husband's not your child (laughs) you can't be trying to discipline them if you i'm such a leader in everything that i'm involved in it's it's, sometimes it's difficult to step back like okay here you're doing the thing again where you're the boss and you know you you might come off as bossy even though you're trying to be helpful (laughs) and suggest you know you're making suggestions like you're doing funny. that you're doing it again and, you know like, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because my husband told me the other day you stop talking to me like i'm a child i was like wait i did not mean it like that yeah. i think sometimes though the whole boss leader gets a little caught up with the mom voice too mm-hmm. and so it comes off like i'm trying to either be boss or mom but it's not really it i'm really just trying to give you <laughs> my or advice even as you know as being you know teachers like that's yes natural. i have to come and command the command and be the alpha at all times i cannot know anybody else to be the alpha because it's me (laughs) i find myself all the time saying okay i didn't mean it like that okay but i don't think that we really pay attention to maybe the tone of voice i'm guessing i don't know if it's tone of voice or what it is but i always have to say okay no i didn't mean it okay so it came out wrong or i didn't mean i wasn't saying it like that what i meant was and so i have to kind of like rephrase it but, you know, we get our ideas or when we know how something should go, or especially if God reveals something to us, it's just, it's like, okay, I heard him. This is what it is. And I think for them, it's like, okay, I need to slow down, ask for all the right ways to say it, using all the right words in the right mm-hmm. situation. And then maybe it won't come off as I'm just trying to tell you what to do. Yeah. And disregard what you, you know, what you're thinking. But it's definitely, it's definitely work. And so I agree with you. It's work. Don't marry for feelings. Yeah, you better not marry for feelings. You're not ready to get in the mud. <laughs> down and dirty with the work of it, then don't do it. That's the truth. That's the truth. So I have a question. These panty power workshops. Before we close out, is this something that you are doing like annually, or like how do you do the workshops? Were you doing it at one time and then you stopped them, or how's that? So I was doing them kind of sporadically. Um, I developed the curriculum to do on my own, but I found that it was, um, like I would have churches or different universities request me to do them. Mm-hmm. And, um, I like to tailor them to whoever I'm talking to or, and whatever, you know, event that they have going on. Like for one, I was talking to, to, um, teenage girls. Like, so I yeah. kind of framed it a little differently. And then in the next one, I was talking to women um, at the pregnancy center in Mac, on Mac in Detroit. And I'm just like, you know what? I need to, you know, this conversation needs to be different because the conversation yeah. is no longer, hey, wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they're all yeah. big bellied. Right. <laughs> like, right. Big bellies. Like, that's not the conversation to have. 
So you know, <laughs> we already there. We have passed that. Okay. Yeah, so right, right. Next? It's like okay, you a little dollar, you know, dollar dollar short. They let right, you know. Right. <laughs> so um, yeah. So I really like I like to host them on my own. I haven't done one in a minute. Um, I stepped back from it, you know, being married and trying to figure that that out. I'm like, you know, um, and I recommend that too. Like, don't be so ministry, 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 ministry once you get married because that you have to figure out how to run that. You have a whole new ministry now. Yep. Yep. And so that yep. was a you know a part of it that I'm like, let me step back and you know figure figure this ministry out. But um, yeah, I'm definitely good. launching now and really getting back into that space of of speaking with women. So the Penny Power workshops are right now by request. Uh, but I am working on some stuff and I'm cooking up something for the near future because I do want yeah. to, um, I love spaces where women can be real and collaborate and, um, you know, just because this, I feel like this is a space that I needed when I was yeah. younger. Yep. I even yep. had one girl, she broke up with her boyfriend, like right then and there. I was like, oh, like, I'm so sorry. All right. <laughs> change. Like that, that immediate change. Like that's like, I'm about to call him right now. <laughs> It's over today. Yeah. I just so. heard something that changed my life. I changed your life too. Bye. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, you're not it. <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. When you can see that change take place right then. But that's when you know you're doing what God wants you to do. Yeah. When you can see right there, it changed on the spot. That's you in the place that God wanted you to be in, talking to the person he wanted you to talk to, to cause that change to come. And that right there, I mean, that's everything. That's what ministry is about. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, when you can see it, I mean, that's a blessing, you know, and it makes you, it builds your faith and it makes you more confident moving in that ministry outside of what the norm is, what people think you should be doing. It's like, no, I know God called me to this because those confirmations oh, yeah. come often, you know, they come often enough where it's like, okay, God, I see you. And I have I pushback. You. Like that definitely happened. Pushback from people that I didn't expect it from too. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. like, well, I mean, like, what do you want? Like, how do you suggest we attack this issue? Then? Like, tell me <laughs> the way that you think we should do it. Yeah. Because yeah. as it stands, I'm like, the more that we're trying to censor it and hush it, the more people are still falling. To, you know, they're falling. Yep. Yep. Because we don't want to talk about it. Like, are you upset I got panties on the cover of my book? Like. <laughs> Look, I had somebody tell me, well, I didn't share the post because um, I thought it, you were, you know, cursing on it. And so I didn't want to share the post. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I feel like sometimes we can be a little bit too religious because yeah. you didn't even take the time to go. And so I had to like go in depth about why I used the word. And then once I explained it all, I was like, oh, and I'm like, this is exactly why I used it because I want to mm -hmm. have the conversation. Yeah. I want to be, a matter of fact, I'm, I need to have the conversation with the Christians because my secular folk, they're not going to care. They're going to yep. be like, okay, what you talking about, girl? What, what, sh what you talking about? Like they <laughs> think that that may be what it is. And so they're willing to just openly talk about it, but it's the Christians. It's us who we don't want to let, let our right hand know what our left hand doing. We want to take it to God in prayer and we want to just pray <laughs> about it, right? But we don't want to openly communicate about it, which really is what gives the devil a place to hide. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, you're the one I want to talk to. So if you're uncomfortable with the word, please let's have a conversation around. And it's not even a word, right? If you're just uncomfortable with, shh, 
even though I put the extra H in there so you wouldn't automatically think it was a curse word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they just disregard all that and think that that's what it is. But I'm like, that's exactly why I know God gave it to me because he knows when somebody asks, why is it that the conversation is open and I'm going to pull something out of you? Yeah. There is something in you that you don't want to talk about that you need to talk about. <laughs> right. So it's for you, you know, and it's usually the Christians. It's usually the Christians. I'm telling you, it's usually, you know, them because they just been praying about it and they still <laughs> don't know why it's still controlling their lives, you know, but it's because you don't want to communicate. You don't, you don't want to open up. You don't want to accept it. You don't want to understand that it happened and you have to work it out. And you got to, you just got to expose it. You got to expose that devil for what he is or he will continue. I know people, um, one of the terms they like to use is generational curses. Well, those yeah. generational curses, unless you identify them and openly break them, yep. they will just remain. And so whether you want to call it a curse or not, it's just going to stay there because you're allowing it to hide. That's true. You're allowing it to hide. And so gotta expose it gotta expose it i really do appreciate you taking the time to join me in this conversation and just being open and this was really divine like <laughs> god set this up <laughs> god really set this up because we do not know each other i know but i feel like we've talked before so <laughs> right it's such a you know i'm really big on vibes and chemistry with people too Yes, I'm like this is definitely a God thing. This is a God thing all day. Girl, I'm telling you, I was I was telling people, look, you have got to read this testimony. I'm like, read this. And they were like, oh girl, that sounds like you. I'm like, I know. <laughs> They're like, how you know her? I don't know her. <laughs> no, like, the power of social media, I tell you. <laughs> right, social media. I'm like, now nah, unless they've been listening to my conversations and they knew what you posted, then they automatically kind of put you in, you know, use some kind of algorithm or something and put you in there for me to see it. You know, even that I feel like well, maybe God had them do it. <laughs> but I really don't know how I came across your page other than God just wanted us to have this connection and this conversation. So I'm so grateful uh, to him. Just so thankful for uh, the connections that he's just been allowing me to make. And it's a confirmation to the words and the revelations that he has given me. Uh, because many a time I question, you know, what I know I heard God say. And I'll be like, God, I know. And even when I'm speaking to people, when God gives me a prophetic word for somebody, I always kind of like, okay, well, Lord, I know you gave it to me to give to them. And mm -hmm. I feel like the books that we write, those are, are prophecies a lot of times. You're prophesying to people and over their lives. And I'm like, well, Lord, I have to see you confirm it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that I'll know the next time it's okay for me to say something else. The next time it's okay for me to put that book out. The next time it's okay for me to make that move. And yeah. he does it every time. When I say every time, he does it every time. And he knows that I'm always looking and for me, not for everybody, because some people need to hear a confirmation. For me, he knows I need to read it somewhere, right? He's like, well, if I know if I know if I show it to her in the word somewhere, she's going to automatically catch me talking to her. That's, what, that's mm -hmm. what I like to call it. I'll catch him talking to me. And when I know I decided to make that transition and then I'll go to read your post, not knowing who you were, don't know how you end up on my path. Like, I don't even know how I got there. <laughs> and I read it and I'm like, it was him giving me that Christy like I got you mm -hmm. you're not the first you're not the first you're not the first and you won't be the last just trust me 
And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God. And so, you know, I just thank you for your obedience because I don't oh. think that we ever understand our obedience is connected to someone else. We, my One of my mottos is we write for our life, but we also write for the life of others. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you are writing it in a book or if you're putting up a social media post, somebody else is going to see it. And so you have to be mindful of what you're putting out. And when you know God is giving you the words and you write it, even in that little bit of fear, or maybe you thinking, what's somebody going to say? You know, how will they look at it? If you just do it, don't worry about the naysayers, but worry about the person who is for. Yeah. And so it. I'm really, I'm really thankful for your obedience because like oh, I said, listen, it, it was, was a Jonah moment. It was like, you keep on coming up to this building. You keep on, te- <laughs> you physically are not even able to, to take it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Like I'm gonna make this unbearable. Yeah, you get yeah. to a point where you just gonna have. And I think, like God knows, my patience is so long, right? So I had to start feeling something physically mm-hmm. for me to transition. Yeah, because otherwise, my patience is long. I would have just been chill, girl. I've just been like, okay, Lord, we'll never. I think I heard you, but I mean, is it right now? Like he, I had to physically feel something for for me to know you gotta go and. It, I feel like it's the same thing with my pregnancies, right? Mm -hmm. My my labors have always been like almost painless. And so Mm -hmm. I would be in labor just having the contractions with no pain. And so I was just kind of labor at home. And my second daughter, like I barely made it because I went when I started feeling pain. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm starting to feel the pain. So I guess I'll go, you know, and labor at the hospital for a little while, however. And I get there and I'm already fully dilated. Wow. And they were like, we and I was supposed to have a water birth. And they're like, we cannot run your water right now because <laughs> you need you are about to have this baby. And I'm like, but no, I want the water. And they're like, ma'am, time for water. Right. Like and you by, see, she's coming out. <laughs> and by the time like I get undressed and everything, and they get me upstairs to the room, that's when I'm like, okay, I gotta push. We hadn't even been there a good 30 minutes. Oh wow. And so that's I think God has to physically get me moving it has to be a Mm -hmm. physical thing because my patience is so I will tolerate something for a long time but not until it physically gets me moving Mm -hmm. do I am I like okay it's uncomfortable yeah you know otherwise I'll just kind of wait it out but I really I know that this is a God thing and I'm just so thankful so grateful to for him oh, i appreciate um, you asking me to be here yes 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 this has been absolutely amazing and i know it won't be the last time we talk because this connection is divine and so we'll definitely have some other times where we can collaborate or uh, connect on some projects or something but i really am thankful for you uh joining me here and just My sharing course. sharing with us and uh, i hope me. to have you back yeah. Oh, yeah. At some other point, we can talk again and touch on some other subjects that people don't want to talk about. This oh, is the yeah. place for it. <laughs> the place for it. Yeah, I'm a That's me. <laughs> yeah. So before we sign off, tell everybody where they can find you, the name of your books, all that stuff. Um, you can find me on um, Instagram or Facebook at House Capacity. That's um, a publishing company. Um, I also have a separate page for my projects. I don't like to intermingle them. So <laughs> um, if you're more interested in my books specifically, you can um, catch me on Instagram at author KC Jones, the letter K, the letter C Jones. And um, I'm on YouTube, author KC Jones, house capacity. 
Um, if you Google house capacity, mo more than likely you'll find the, the Kiera, um, Arthur Casey Jones stuff too. So, um, yep, that's where I am. You can, um, if you're interested in book publishing services, housecapacity.com, uh, I'll be more than happy to have a conversation with you. And, um, thank you, Christy, for having me again. This has been wonderful. Oh, and yeah, I am awesome. looking forward to more opportunities to speak with you. Yes, this is awesome. Thank you so much again. Y'all go follow her, go find her. All that goodness, because I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. Thank you so much again. And uh, it was really great having you. Thank you. You have a good one. You too.